You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. So if you were here last week, um, you know that we are taking just a short break in between our preaching series. Next week we're going to start a new preaching series. But we are taking a short break to address a foundational question. Why are you here? Or if I can rephrase it, why are we here? No, why do we gather as a church? Why do we exist? No, why should we commit to one another? Why should we love one another and serve one another? Why? Why do we spend so much time, so much resource in investing into this gathering? Why? In order to answer this question, last week we took a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And in verse 5, it said this. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So in the Old Testament, the temple of God was a place in which was made out of bricks. But in the New Testament, Peter is saying that no longer is the temple of God made out of bricks, but it is now made out of living stones, people. The temple of God is made out of people because Jesus died for us on the cross, because the veil was torn between us and God. Now, now there is no separation between us and God because he reconciled us through the cross. We no longer are distant from God's presence, but we no longer have to have this building that contains God's glory and presence, but now we can actually dwell in the midst of his presence. God can dwell in the midst of his people. God's temple is not a building. It's something that's built with people. Every person is a living stone. And because of this, We need one another. We need community because a brick on its own has no value. A brick on its own has no significance. I had the privilege to to live in Cairo, Egypt for a little bit, and I got to see um, the pyramids over there. And if you go and see the pyramids and you get close to the pyramids, you can actually touch the pyramids uh, over there, right? If you look at the bricks, there's nothing special about the bricks, right? Each individual brick It's just a brick. There's no value. There is no worth um, in an individual brick. But when that individual brick meets another brick and those bricks are are stacked up against one another by this beautiful designer, then you have this beautiful building, the pyramid. Now those bricks have purpose and value. And the same is true for us. On our own as Christians, I'm sorry to say this, but we have no value that we have no worth. I mean, sure, yeah, we're like bricks. Bricks can be used for something. But our true value and our true worth comes out when we are together. No, when we all invest into God's kingdom, when we submit under the lordship of Jesus Christ, when we allow God to stack us um, on top of one another, when we form this beautiful community, community, now we have purpose, now we have value, now we have a reason to exist. The church, the body of Christ, 
is the temple of God. And when each of us as living stones, when we buy into this idea and submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, now we are part of something that has infinite value. God wants to gather his people so that we can fulfill the purpose of the temple. Which brings us to the next question, then what is the purpose of the temple? I know the temple is beautiful. I know the temple is something great. Um, But what was the purpose of the temple in the Old Testament? And we don't have time to go through all the details about the temple, but we can go to 1 Kings chapter 8 and see how Solomon, he prayed over the temple when he was dedicating the building to God. It says that he prayed for the temple in three ways. That this temple here would show the people that God is true to his promises. That it would remind the people of God's presence. That it would motivate people to walk in all of God's commands. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. So three things. God's promise. God's presence. God's command. The temple is supposed to remind his people so that. They can be a light in the world so that people can know that the Lord is God and there is no one like him. The temple exists in the Old Testament so that the nations can know God. And this is not just an Old Testament idea, by the way. But this idea is, is presented throughout the Bible. Even the passage that we looked at last week in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are given this privileged position so that we can declare the gospel, so that we can proclaim the excellencies of God, so that we, we, can, we can share this, this amazing uh, God that we know to the rest of the world. So why are we here? We are here to proclaim the name of Jesus, not just within the building, but out in the world. And a technical, technical term for this is missions. Um, that's a Latin word. It comes from a Latin word that means to send. Now God calls his people. He calls his people into this family, into this church, to send them out for the sake of the gospel. And by the way, this idea of the temple, uh, it's this idea of God being passionate about um, people, it's not just in the temple, but it's throughout the Bible, right? When God calls Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the rest of the nations. When God saves Israel um, from Egypt, he says, well, I'm going to bless you so that even your enemies, the Egyptians, will know that you are the Lord. In Psalms, it says that God is worthy of the praise of the nations. It says in the prophets that God is the hope of the nations. In the Gospels, we see that Jesus, that he came to save not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. That he died for all people. We see that he sends his disciples out so that they can go make disciples of all nations. In the book of Acts, God gives his Holy Spirit, his very own spirit, so that we can be empowered to be witnesses of the gospel. And at the very end, we see that Jesus returns and every nation, tribe, and tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The Bible is about God's heart for people, that he cares about people, that he is motivated, he's actively searching for people. Our God is a missionary God. And that's why we care about missions. 
In today's passage, we see that the disciples are coming back from a mission trip. Uh, Jesus sent them out to proclaim the gospel, to lead people to repentance. Um, and he didn't give them any money. He didn't give them any bread. He just said, yes, just go. Uh, just, just sleep wherever you want to sleep. Just go and share the gospel. He simply gave them authority. He gave them his name. And it says in verse 13, they cast out many demons and healed many who were sick. We see that they had an amazing experience in this mission, mission trip. So they come back in verse 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So they're sharing story after story. Um, they're sharing their testimony, how they led people to Christ, how they cast out demons, and how they heal people. But while they're very excited at this point, they're also very exhausted. It says in verse 31 that they were so busy meeting with people that they didn't even have time to eat. Right? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, they were just exhausted. You know, they didn't have any energy. So it says in verse 31, Jesus calls them and he says, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. He, he says, hey, let's go get some rest. Let's go on this mini retreat to, to this deserted place where there's no one there. And let's get some rest. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I, I need some rest. I could really use some rest today, right? Um, I can really go to the middle of nowhere, just cut all my ties, and just spend some alone time with God. Man, that sounds so great. But notice what happens next. As they are going to this desolate place on a boat, um, they see a crowd. This crowd, they see Jesus and his disciples. Um, and in verse 30, 33, it says, They saw them, many recognized them, and they ran ahead of them. So just imagine this. Jesus and his disciples, they are on this boat and they look at the shore and they see thousands and thousands of people waiting for them. They thought they were going on a, this quiet retreat, right? On a vacation so that they can just, you know, rest and recharge. But we see the moment they step on the shore, it's ministry again. You know, and if I was Jesus, if I, if I was one of the disciples, I got to be honest, I, I would have been really mad. Right? It's like you, you work really hard and you finally get to go on a vacation and, and you go to this nice, quiet resort. And the moment you, you, you arrive at that resort, you see everyone in your company. And they're like, hey, let's work again. Or you see your clients, right? the people that you always have to deal with, um, your customers. Um, it, it, it's hard. right? The moment that you see them, it's like, oh, man, I got to work again. Why can't I just have a break? But notice, Jesus sees the crowd in a very different way. It says in verse 34, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach, teach them many things. So Jesus was not upset with the crowd. He was not upset that his vacation was um, invaded by this, this, this large number of people. But it says that when Jesus saw the crowd, he saw them with compassion, specifically because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Notice that Jesus sees people in a very different way. He doesn't see people as work. He doesn't see people as a burden. Unlike us, Jesus sees beyond what's, beyond what's on the surface. 
Now, I'm pretty sure when the disciples were looking at the crowd, they, they were just normal people, right? I mean, they could be a little bit, you know, weird, maybe because, you know, they, they left everything behind. They're following them wherever they go. Um, but at the end of the day, this crowd, they're just normal people, right? And the same is true for us. When we walk around, when we go to the grocery store, when we see people at our work, we just see people as people. You know, it seems like everyone is doing okay. It seems like everyone is having a good day. It just seems like everyone is without problems. I'm the only one that has problems, right? On the outside, everything looks just fine. But notice that Jesus, he sees something beyond what's on the surface, and he sees the very heart of man. And what he sees is not people that are okay, but he sees a group of people that are in need of a savior, a group of people that are without direction, a group of people that are without purpose, a group of people that do not know where to go or what to do or why they exist, a group of people that does not have a leader, a group of people that are in danger of false doctrines. Spiritually, these people were lost like sheep without a shepherd. Again, we see God's heart for people. Jesus cares about the lost. He cares about lost people. You know, I think a lot of times the reason why we are hesitant to approach people and share the gospel is because it just looks like they're, they're doing okay, right? It seems like they don't have any problems, right? Why would they bother to listen to our story? You know, it seems like every need that they have in their lives are just all fulfilled, if you just go on Instagram, you see that everyone's just having a great time. But what Jesus is saying today is that if you really go deep into their hearts, that they are lost without Jesus. They, they, they might look good on the outside, but inside, they are extremely lost. They are spiritually in need. And Jesus has compassion on these people, not because they are poor, not because they are hungry, not because they are sick, simply because they are lost. And the Bible says he began to teach them. He gave them what they really needed to hear. He, I'm pretty sure he was preaching the word of God and sharing the gospel with them. The reason why we should care about missions and the reason why our church makes such a big deal out of missions is because there are still two billion people in this world that never heard the name Jesus. That it's not just a crowd of 5,000 plus, but there are two billion people in this world. I'm not just, just talking about non-Christians. Two billion people in this world that never heard the gospel. Not even a single time. That's why we care about missions. Because Jesus, when he sees those people, he sees them with compassion. They're not just a work project. They're not just people that are living a normal life. He sees them as lost sheep. Now, there are seven billion people in this world and who knows how many people are lost? I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people. The reason why we care about missions is because God cares about missions. It's because God has compassion over those who are lost. It's because reaching the lost is a priority for Jesus. Therefore, it has to be a priority for his body, the church. We care about missions because God cares about the lost. And for some of you, this is not new information, right? I mean, you know this. I mean, we have, we have slogans on the side that talks about the importance of missions. And you give offering, um, missions offering in your life group. You know, you pray for your missionaries. 
we all know that missions is very important. We all know that um, we need to reach out to the lost as Christians. That's what we do. We know that people are important. But the question is really how? You know, how can we get involved in missions? We know that it's a great idea. I mean, it's very appealing. But we just don't know how. I think when we think about missions, it gets a little bit overwhelming. Because um, it seems like it's just this enormous task that's given to us. You know, we think, oh, should I give up my savings? Um, the things that I've, I've, I'm saving up to buy a house or to buy a car, should I just give that up? Is that what I need to do? Should I just quit my job and pursue a career in overseas missions? Should I not get married like Paul in order to get involved in missions? I mean, how far do I go with my investment in people? No, if we are serious about missions, it seems that we need to make some radical decisions about our lives. No, and even when we make radical decisions about our lives, it seems like missions is just this, this, this task that's too big for us, right? I mean, you, we share the gospel with many people, but we wonder, truly, how many people will actually come to know Jesus? We give faithfully, but we somehow wonder, you know, are the missionaries really doing their job? Are people really being saved through my giving? There's all these questions in our heads. Even we, we question the amount that we give or the amount of time that we offer or the prayer that we offer. We say, man, what I can offer is so insignificant compared to the need of this world that I might as well just kind of not get involved whatsoever. But look what happens next in the, today's passage. It says, when Jesus sees the crowd, he has compassion. So he begins to teach a lot of things. And then it gets pretty late. The sun goes down, evening comes, and the crowd is getting hungry. And you know that a hungry crowd is not, is not good, right? You've been in services and your stomach is grumbling. You just can't wait for fellowship food. Uh, you've been there before. So the, the disciples, they, they see that the crowd is kind of getting antsy. So they come to Jesus and say this, um, Jesus, we are in the middle of nowhere. It's getting late. So this is what you need to do. Send them away to go into the surrounding country and villages so that they can buy something to eat. This sounds like a reasonable solution, right? They recognize that there's a need, that people need to be fed. Uh, in verse 44, we read that the crowd is about 5,000 just, just with males. So with women and children, this is a crowd about maybe 10,000 plus. Uh, the disciples they didn't have the resources to feed the crowd. It's not like Chick-fil-A was supporting their campaign, right? Uh, so they come up with a solution and say, okay, we can't feed these people. Therefore, we're going to send them back home. Maybe uh, on another day we'll get together and you can teach. But Jesus, right now what you need to do is you, know, you got to send these people back home. But notice what Jesus says. He looks them straight in the eye and says, you give them something to eat. Now just think about that. Disciples came with a problem. They came with a reasonable solution. But Jesus says something extremely radical. He says, you, disciples, you give them something to eat. No, it doesn't say here, but I'm pretty sure there was, there was a long, awkward pause at that moment. Because the disciples, they had no money. And even if they had no money, they are in the middle of nowhere. I mean, where, the, where, gonna, where, are gonna, where are they going to get these food? Um, even if there are stores nearby, like Walmart, I mean, how are they going to move all the food to the crowd and distribute the food to them? 
for them, it seems like this is just an impossible task. There's no way they can handle this situation. So they say in a very sarcastic way, shall we go and buy 200 denarii? And that's 200 um, days worth of, of labor, which is about maybe $30,000. You know, should we buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them so that they can eat? Now, they're very, being very sarcastic here, right? They know that they don't have the money nor the resources to provide for the crowd. The task just seems way too, way too big for them to handle. And if I can be honest with you, this is how I felt about missions for the longest time. Right? It seemed like this task of missions is way too big, and what I have is way too little. That there's nothing I can do to help these people. You know, maybe uh, if God gives me a six-figure job, uh, maybe if my job allows me to take two months off a year and I can maybe commit um, a certain period of time on missions, maybe if I can finish school early, right, or maybe if I can take a break from school, um, maybe uh, after I get my first job, after I pay off my debt, then I'll get involved in missions. Maybe after I get married, I'll get involved in missions. Maybe after I have my kids, I'll get involved in missions. Maybe after my kids grow up a little bit, I'll get involved in missions. Okay, maybe going to the mission field with kids is not a good idea. Therefore, I'm going to wait until my kids are, are free. They go to college, and then I'll wait um, and, and go to missions. Oh, wait, but I have to wait until my kids get married, so I still have to support them. Therefore, I'm going to wait until I'm going to go to missions. Oh, wait, hold on. i got to prepare for my retirement and so I'm going to save up some money and therefore I'll go to missions later on and by the time you're like 60 and 70 and you're like but still I don't have enough to go and reach people to serve people to share the gospel no the task of missions it just seems way too big and what we have seems way too little but notice what Jesus says right after this in verse 38 it says how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And we're going to pause right there because this is a very important question. This is the key to understanding this text. Just ask the disciples, what do you have? Go and see. Notice that he's not asking the disciples to give something that they do not have. Jesus is asking the disciples to give something that they do have. So he says, go and and see. And so the disciples, they go out and they see what they can find. And they come back and say, okay, I have five loaves of bread and two fish. It's basically a happy meal. Right? They took it from a, a little kid. Right? That's what they brought. And, and they're thinking, okay, Jesus, I, I brought what I have. This is all that I can find. What are you going to do? So they give this to Jesus and see what Jesus does with it. He, said, he takes the happy meal, right? He prays over the happy meal. He, he looks at heaven. He blesses the food. He breaks it. He gives it to the disciples. And in verse 42, it says, and they all ate and they were satisfied. In verse 43, it says, and they took up 12 baskets, one for each disciple full of broken pieces of bread and of the fish. Not only did Jesus solve the problem, but there was a, an abundance of leftovers when Jesus worked this miracle. Now, you could ask the question, now why did Jesus do that to the disciples? He could have solved this by himself. He could have just let you know, I don't know, burgers or manna rain from heaven, and he could have fed 5,000 people easy. And that's true. Jesus could do that. 
if Jesus wants to share the gospel with all the lost people right now, he could do that. But for some reason, he chooses not to. For some reason, although he doesn't need us, he wants us to be involved. And he says, well, although I don't need you, I'm going to work through you. When the disciples gave what little they had in faith, when they gave that to Jesus, Jesus, he multiplied what he received. And at the end, we see that every single person in that crowd was satisfied. This is God's strategy for missions. Now, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't need us to reach the nations, but he wants us to be part of it. He wants us to experience this miracle where people can come to know Jesus, when lost people can be saved, when dead people can come alive, when broken people can become renewed. Jesus wants us to experience this. And what he is asking you and I today is not, okay, give me what you do not have. He is saying, what do you have? What is it? Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but you have time. Use your time. Invest it in God's kingdom. You know, serve someone who does not know Jesus. Maybe you have a lot of money, but you don't have time. Use your resources. You know, support the, the work of the kingdom. You know, maybe you don't have any time and you don't have any money. Well, pray. You have the name of Jesus. There's so many ways we can get involved with missions, yet the reason why we hold back is not because we don't have enough. It's because we always wonder, you know, what we can do with something that we do not have. And while Jesus is telling us, you don't have to bring me something that you don't have. What I want is all that you have. That's what I want. And when you give me what, you, what little you have in faith, then I'm going to do the rest of the work. And by the way, when you, you, when you partner with me, Man, you're going to see crazy things happen. Jesus is not interested in what you don't have. He is interested in what you do have. The disciples, they didn't have much that day. But they had everything that they needed to do the work of the Lord. So what do you have? Maybe you have an able body. Use your able body. Maybe you have a good education. Use your education to reach the loss. Whatever, whatever skill you might have, I heard one time um, someone say, well, I, I want to be a missionary. I want to do some work on the mission field, but I don't know what to do. And a missionary asked that person, well, do you know how to do PowerPoint? Do you know, do you know how to do, teach Word? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. Do you know how to use the internet? He's like, yeah, I can do that. Do you know how to speak English? He's like, yeah, I can do that. Man, then you have more than enough to be a missionary on the mission field. You have more than enough to connect with people and, and share the gospel with those people. You, 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 you'll be blown away to see just what little it takes to connect with people and share the gospel. What you think is little could be extremely big in God's kingdom. All that you have is enough to do everything that God wants to do through you. All that you have is enough to do everything right now that God wants to do through you. The question is, are you willing to give it up? Do you have compassion for people? Do you see 
the deeper need in people? Do you see that they are spiritually broken? Although they might look good on the outside, do you see they are extremely, extremely lost like sheep without a shepherd? Do you understand that, yeah, it is true that you don't have much, but what you have is enough to reach thousands and thousands of people? Do you know that Jesus can work through you in ways that you never would have imagined? So as a church, we are called together, but so that we can scatter and share the gospel. We are not just a social club. We are not just a place where we just enjoy one another's presence. We, are, we gather for the, this very purpose so that collectively we can share the gospel. So don't wonder what you don't have. Think of what you do have. Let's pray. God is obsessed with missions. He is crazy about people. He's so crazy to the point that although people would disobey him, although people would live a life that's against him, although they are enemies of God, he still pursues people, people undeserving. The very reason why you and I are here today, the very reason why we are a church because our God is a missionary God. And what he wants to do through this church is that as we gather as living stones, as we build this, this spiritual temple, he wants the nations, he wants people to know that he is the Lord and that there is no other. He wants us to have compassion for people, have the same heart, viewing people not just as work, as a burden, as a means to my success, but as people who are in need of a Savior. He wants us to have those eyes. And he wants us to realize that what we have is more than enough to do everything that he wants to do through us. So let's stop complaining and start investing in God's kingdom, trusting that Jesus will multiply. Let's pray.